Hey, welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave. And my name is Jeff, and we're glad you've joined us for today's episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Hope you're enjoying your spring, if that's what part of the world you're in. Yeah. Um, we we sure are here in Pittsburgh. You got your full Pittsburgh gear on today. Yeah, I got my Pirates jerseys on. By the way, we are both on staff. I'm the lead pastor. Dave's the campus pastor at the Northside Campus of Allison Park Church. We're also father and son, and I'm not a baseball fan, but... I'm wearing the Pirates jersey today. <laughs> I'm not either. Yeah, if you didn't know, that's who we are. Um, hey, and we just want to say thank you for listening. Um, as always, you know, your, your listenership is why we're doing this to hopefully yeah. make a difference. So no new five-star <laughs> reviews on Apple Podcasts, but if you leave us one next episode, we will shout you out just to say thank yeah. you. Um, Appreciate it. So today we're going to talk about our thoughts on the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be kind of an us episode, though. <laughs> there are whole podcasts being created right now about that particular thing, and people are following it avidly. I have to admit that I have not watched one minute. I see some news reports every once in a while, but it's pretty crazy. It's a sad story. Yeah. I don't really know how that applies to church, but it's a sad <laughs> it story. Doesn't. It yeah. doesn't, but I just thought we would tease that just in case. I mean, we've talked about other crazy things, but not that that's... Okay, <laughs> if you have a podcast on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, then cool. You have to send us the link. We can listen to it. But uh, that is not our topic for yeah, today. Yeah, he's been looking for some kind of episode that's... He calls it like aliens. Yeah, so. like our aliens episode. Something light. You know, it wasn't that it was not deep. We had some good conversations about it, but it wasn't... So the last couple of episodes, especially we've got... Like the last one we just did was... Um, really pretty deep theologically, or maybe that was two episodes ago, deep theologically, because we were talking about um, does theology progress or is it static? Sure. I and mean, that was a pretty deep episode. I had a lot of good feedback from that, but that was a deep one. And then uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, um, is online or digital church healthy or is it just for lazy people? That was a really good one too, but also carrying some depth to it. But since we're in a deep zone, we're going to keep keep with the theme. and We're going to keep with it. But if you have any kind of fun, yeah. you know, if you want to hear about the abominable snowman, let us know. <laughs> you can chat that. No, But uh, yeah, today, so we, we have a topic. We're going to be talking about sort of different, you know, sects of churches, you could say. We're going to specifically... S-E-C-T-S. Sects. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not anything else. I don't know what you heard there with your mind. No. But so we're going to be talking about Catholics, Christians, and cults. Yep. So uh, kind of it's it's based around this idea, like, is it, is, are Catholics Christians? In fact, I, I think that some Catholics wonder, are Protestants Christians, really? Yeah. You know, but so what's what's the difference? Um, are we in the same religion or not? Or what? What? And then, well, I'll talk about uh, Mormons, and we'll talk about Jehovah's Witness. You, you hear them, you know, uh, the Church of the Latter Day Saints, right? Right? Is is that Mormons? That is the same. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and then and then there. What what are the Seventh Day Adventists that Jehovah's Witness? So that's another. Okay, that also fits as more of a tweener category. I guess we can talk about that. You know, is it in the the umbrella of Christianity or is it outside? Um, but why don't we just stay with the ones yeah. we mentioned for okay, now? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So we'll talk about Catholics, uh, Protestant Christians, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, and sort of where we fit into all of that mix and how you can understand the difference. Yeah. Because all of them would say they're a part of church, but what does church necessarily mean? Well, and this, I think, especially... Uh, so this came to us as a qu question that's been asked fre frequently, yeah, honestly. right, right, right. Because uh, Pittsburgh area, which is what we're a part of, is a predominantly historically Catholic city. So I, I think at one point the stats was 70%. So um, many people come from a Catholic background, 
But then they make their way into a church like Allison Park Church, which is uh, assemblies of God in denomination, but interdenominational in terms of expression. And they wonder, uh, you know, okay, so I left my Catholic church or I wasn't going anymore. Am I out of line by attending this one? Is it the same religion? Is it a different religion? How do I talk to my grandmother who's mad at me because I'm not attending the Catholic church or maybe mad's too strong, concerned for me? That I'm not attending this, and then even from some, from some of the you know the staff, you know the podcast theme as we talk about the why behind the what. Some of our some of our staff were saying, you know, I deal with people who come from Catholic back, backgrounds all the time. So can you distinguish for me what's the difference between Allison Park Church and our belief system and and the and the Catholic Church, and uh, are we on the same page about some things, or are there differences, and how do we navigate those things, right? So why don't we start with a history lesson, because yeah. I know you you are a history buff. I am. Um, I don't know if you're Reformation, Reformation, can't say that word, history buff or not, you know, I know it's other periods. You know, periods, so but. as a part of my master's degree, I got a master's degree in missiology back when I graduated from, from school, and uh, as a part of that, I did a whole self-directed study on church history. I've actually had some outside thoughts of maybe going on and getting my doctorate in church history. Let's go. You should do it. Um, but it is a curiosity to me, and I'm always reading up on stuff like that. Because, you know, we know a lot about... we we If you read the New Testament, you know about New Testament history. And then you probably are familiar with the church of the last hundred years in the United States of America. Right. Uh, to some degree, most people would be. But what about all the in-between, and how does that relate to these discussions? Yeah. So why don't why don't we start? I'll I'll do the easy stuff. Okay. Come on. And then you can jump in and sort of fill in for for the Reformation. So we start with the New Testament. We have Jesus, you know, in the Gospels. Right. Um, he dies, rises again three days later, is on the earth for forty days, ascends to heaven, and then we have the beginning of the church that's led by the disciples. We have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit next to. Yeah. So we're in the dates we're on this. We're talking somewhere between thirty and thirty-four A.D. is when the resurrection would have happened, then the ascension, then the day of Pentecost, and that launches us into a period of about sixty years right. where a lot of the New Testament books were written. The Book of Acts happens, and then all of the letters that Paul and others write to the churches. Then we hit this grand finale moment of the book of Revelation, which probably was penned right about 95 AD. So we're, we're at the turn of the first century after right, Christ. Right, written by John, the last one of them to be surviving, and the only one to not, to not be martyred. Yep. And then after that, we have sort of the, I believe it's referred to as the second century church, some of the early yeah, church so the, fathers. Well, there, there's the persecuted church. So right. until 3, 313 AD, the church was underground all around the world. It was illegal to be a Christian. There were really no church buildings. People met in homes. They met in public places. But it was a risk to be a Christian. In 313, um, the emperor uh, at that Constantine um, declares himself to be a Christian under the influence of his mom. Whether he was or not is really debatable. But at least he comes out publicly as a Christian and makes Christianity legal. And in in 325 AD, they have the Council of Nicaea, where they validate what we now know is our New Testament, right? Yes. So they say, these are the books that we believe are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that, that is the Bible we continue to use today. And, and then from that point, really, for over a thousand years, you have basically two branches of the Church. The Eastern Orthodox side, which was birthed in Constantinople, which is which is the Orthodox branch of Christianity, and then the Western Church, which we call the Roman Catholic Church, 
Um, and basically, there was a rivalry between these two branches of the church for a long, long time. Uh, they cooperated at times, and they were competing with each other at times. Um, but in the West, we know primarily more about the Roman Catholic Church. So the Roman Catholic Church becomes centered in Rome. It it operates in most of Europe for a long period of time until the 1500s, where due to some abuses that were happening at that time, we have this thing called the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You want to jump in here? I mean, I can jump in. There's a guy <laughs> named Martin Luther that is, that's sort of the central figure of this yeah. time who was, a, who was a monk. So he was actually priest. a priest in the Roman Catholic Church, and he operated in Wittenberg, Germany. And one of the abuses that would ha- was happening at that time was something called the selling of indulgences, which right. was in order. So it was like a capital campaign. <laughs> I know it sounds really crass to say it that way where the Pope was actually making money to build great cathedrals in the city of Rome and around, around the world. And, and his fundraising technique was, if you give a certain amount of money to the church, you get pre-ordered uh, forgiveness, right? So an indulgence was, you can buy forgiveness for a binge weekend at Las Vegas. Like, mm. you know... You know you're going to be sinning, so might as well <laughs> might invest as well into some forgiveness Buy it ahead now. of time, so yeah. if you just pay this amount of money... You can either buy your forgiveness in advance, or you can pay for someone who has committed sins in your family who passed away that you want to get into heaven. And so Martin Luther objects to the whole concept of buying forgiveness by giving money to the church, by by bringing us back to what the Bible teaches about what salvation is. Mm-hmm. And he has this personal revelation of, of, of the cross and what it means in your life, uh, he hears in his his heart, the just shall live by faith, which comes out of Romans chapter 1. And this idea that just justice or righteousness from God does not come through indulgences or works, but it comes because you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And so he be, begins a revolution where he talks about the five solas. There are five things. It's only grace. It's only Christ. It's only God's Word. And I'm forgetting the other ones now, if you only remember. Faith. Only faith in Christ that brings us to, to those things. There's one more thing. What is the last There one? is one more, too. Yeah, I can't think of it. But, but this idea that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And so the, the Catholic Church and the Reforming Church, which we now know as the Protestant branch, um, began to separate and were at, at, you know, at odds for a while. In fact, Luther was actually put on trial, and they threatened to kill him over the uh, ideas that he was propagating. And that just also happens to be when the, the modern-day printing press was invented and books were spreading everywhere. And so Luther's message and the ability to take his message and put it into print then kind of revolutionized well, did, the world. Did you say Sola Scripture? The Bible only? The only word? the Bible, only grace, only faith, only Christ, and one more we are I'll forgetting. I'll look it up while we're doing so this. you can yeah. look it up yeah, as we're going. <laughs> okay, so over time, over time, the Catholic Church has... Uh, definitely through the whole process of the last several hundred years, really modified its stances on a lot of those things. The selling of indulgences isn't a, an abuse that's happening Lord anymore. Glory to God alone is the last one, sorry. O- only for God's glory. Yeah, 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 yeah. So only faith, only Christ, only the Scriptures, only grace. Yeah. And and then only, only for God's all glory. for the glory of God. Right, yeah. yeah. Where the five cries of the Sorry of the to go back to that. Reformation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that itch has been scratched now, right? There we go. We got it. Okay. So so now, now uh, basically, you know, in the Catholic Church, it, the abuses that were happening 500 years ago aren't, aren't the same. 
Okay, they're not the same things that were, but there are some key theological differences between what we would believe about salvation and and what we would believe about the authority of the Bible and what we believe about the definition of the church and what a typical Catholic believer would. So can I just recap what you just said in my own words, just for anybody who's newer to the subject? So initially we have all one, well, sort of one church divided into Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic. Yep. But Protestant which is what we are, you know, that would be Presbyterian, that would be Pentecostals, that would be Baptist. Well, okay, so then if we move forward in Christian history, so at first it was just basically the, the Lutheran movement right. that, that kind of split away from the Catholic Church. But then when it comes to the United States of America, it breaks into a thousand brands of denomination. Sure. Right, so you have you have the Presbyterian and the Lutheran, and you have the the Church, Church of God in Christ, and the Assemblies of God, and the Foursquare, and and so and and a, a ho- hundreds of other denominations that all fit within that Protestant umbrella, but emphasize different aspects of the spiritual journey and experience. And generally, non-denominational would be Protestant as well. And that's a that's an um, something that's emerged in the last fifty years because everyone was denominational before. Somebody finally said, "We're all of the above." You know, everybody's welcome here. That was kind. Of, that's kind of new. In fact, most people, when they would move into town, look for a church, they would look for the brand they belonged to, because they felt like the belief systems that w- that they were raised with were essential to their church attendance. Now, people don't choose a church based upon the belief systems; they choose a church based on how it makes them feel. The experience. Yeah, the experience. Right. Yep. Right. So, a lot of people are coming into church, and they're like, "I really like this church." But I'm not exactly sure, number one, what they believe, what this church believes, or number two, what I believe, sure. and whether or not it meshes. And so that's part of what this podcast does, is it actually clarifies a little bit of what you should know about what your church believes. Exactly. Okay, so back to, back to the summary. Yeah. So we have Roman Catholic that breaks up into Roman Catholic and Protestant, which is Lutheran originally, yeah. but now encompasses this entire bubble. Yeah. So we're now talking about the differences, because Protestants have different differing views of theology on some aspects yep. um, when it comes to, let, let's say, the Southern Baptist Convention versus the Assembly of God. We're Assembly of God Church. Right. So we believe some different things, but in general, we share most things in common. Those whereas, five things would still be the five things for us. Right. Right. Only, only faith in Christ leads you to only grace that comes from understanding only the Bible as its authority— Right, so so it's these things that are still unifying, and I didn't name the five. I'm sorry, I, was... <laughs> I can't remember them either. I always forget. Only for God's glory. And what's the last one? You need I, to we keep just it on, this. Your, on I, your iPad. I okay, I'll, I'll just we're, do we're this. We're already again. talking about complicated theology. Now you want me to S- Scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, and to God, uh, to God's glory yeah. alone. Protestant so, churches, which would be this big bubble you talked about, what all hold to those five. Yeah, and we can we can talk more about those if we need to in a, in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, so there's more in general that is in common with Protestant churches than, than are with Catholics. So why are we even talking about this? Like you just said, it's because we want to dis- discuss, like, so what does your church believe? And, and what even really is, you know, like, especially when we start talking about things like Mormons, like, w- what is really the basic, like all Christians should believe these things in common. Yeah. And and what, what do we share with Catholics? What's different? So why don't we start there? Because when we start going towards um, Jehovah's Witness and Mormon, it gets a lot different, like way, way, way different. Yeah. And it doesn't sound different at first. They're all churches, but they're really, really different. Catholics yeah. and Christians, or I shouldn't say Christians, Catholics and Protestants share a whole lot in common. So 
what are the main differences now between... Yeah, know? so let's start with the gospel. Let's, yeah, let's begin there. So Ephesians 2, verse 8, we are saved by grace through faith. Yes. Okay, so let's just start there. We believe that Jesus Christ, fully God, became a human being and walked this earth for 30 years and then eventually was crucified as our substitute in death because he had to become one of us, fully human, to pay the price for our sinfulness, even though he never sinned, so that he could impute or impart to us his righteousness. So when he rose from the grave, he died on the cross, he paid for my sin, he rose from the grave, he gives me the opportunity for him to be my champion. I receive his righteousness that he purchased for me on the cross, and I'm made now into a new man, a new creation, to be formed in the image of Jesus Christ. All of this transformation happens by grace, only grace, through faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross. Okay, so that is the core gospel. We believe, you have to believe that Jesus was fully God and fully a man. This is where we differ from the cults of Jehovah's Witness and Mormons. But we also believe that the way you come to salvation is by faith. And not by works. And not by works. So not by what you do. You're not made good enough for God based on how well you perform. It's only by the grace of God who extends that to us, and it's by the faith confession that Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? That, right. that he's okay. our Savior. Okay, and... so this is where the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church are, are a little bit different in their approach. And the best way to understand this would be through the use of the Catholic Church. They have something called the seven sacraments. And a sacrament is a is a practice or ritual through which or by which you, uh, you receive grace from God. So therefore, sacrament, you, it is a it is a it is a, a ritual that contains grace. So when you practice communion, you receive grace from God. When you get confirmed in the church, you get you get grace from God. When you're married in the Catholic Church, there's a, a grace that comes from God. So there's actually seven different sacraments that the Catholic Church practices. Baptism as a baby, you receive grace from God. The thought is that. God established his church to be the dispensary of grace. The church is, it holds grace for people. When you participate in the sacraments that the church offers, so a proper communion service, blessed by a priest in the proper way, when you take that in right standing with the Catholic Church, you receive the grace of God that brings you the salvation that Christ purchased for you so, on the cross. So can I pause you to ask questions? Yes. So when you're when you're saying grace, you're really talking about forgiveness of sins yeah. and acceptance as one of God's children. children and the ability for that grace to bring transformation in your life, not just but for now, but for all of eternity. Plus probably answers to prayer, things like that. Okay. So from my understanding, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross takes you from being in the pit of sin to ground zero. And then the sacrament participation takes you from there into a place where you have greater security in God in terms of your eventual admission into heaven, as well as all of the other things that you might need from God. But all of that would be accumulated over time through your practice of receiving the sacraments from the church that dispenses the grace that you need to eventually graduate your way into the place where you you now step into that place where you feel like you're confident that you're going to enter heaven 
and and uh, and be in right standing with God. So completely. can I can I ask some questions about the differences next? We, we we've yeah. just said some things that are that are key to understand. So with within Protestantism, we talk about by faith alone, right? And that would be different than what we just described, right? So so faith alone means that when I need to be saved or receive grace from God, saving faith that that doesn't come through the church. That comes only through Christ. So the church is not the middleman. Although I might preach the gospel to you, and the church might be the place where you hear the gospel, and it might become the community where you you belong, it isn't actually the dispenser of grace, because Jesus alone is that. So only Jesus dispenses grace, and only by faith. Faith is the connector with Christ. And then after we receive grace by faith, we then enter the church, and we practice all of the same ceremonies that are the sacraments of the Catholic Church, basically— but we do them not from a sacramental point of view. We're receiving grace through these rituals. We do them from a symbolic point of view. We say these things symbol what we've already received in Christ, and we are now just celebrating them. So communion celebrates what we've already received in Christ by faith, and we're just celebrating it. Baptism celebrates, I've already been born again. I've already been saved through, through faith in Christ. And now I get baptized, not because baptism saves me, but because I've already been saved in, in Christ and baptism just is a way to symbolically celebrate it. And so that difference is a huge difference, because if you were, were a Catholic, <clears throat> and you fell away from the Catholic Church, and then you ended up at a church like Allison Park Church, and you gave your life to Christ, and we say, now it's time to get baptized, this is where we get this question. People say, well, if I get baptized, my, my Catholic grandmother is not going to be happy with me, because I was already baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church, and she would not see my being a part of this church as something that she would want to see happen for me, even though she may see me changing for the positive spiritually— because to separate yourself from the church, the Catholic Church, which is the dispensary of grace, is to separate yourself from grace altogether. Whereas we would say, Allison Park Church or any other church doesn't dispense grace. We are just a gathering of people who've already received grace from God. So it doesn't matter to us whether you are a Presbyterian or a Lutheran, or you call yourself a Catholic or whatever. If you are right with Jesus Christ and you belong to Him by faith, then we would consider you as already having received God's grace, and we're just here to celebrate it with you. And so that's why for us we can be interdenominational, because we are really pointing everybody to faith in Christ, which is where you receive grace, and it is there that we then become a part of this community of those who've already been born again and changed because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Okay, highlights. Yeah. So (laughs) faith in Christ— is is it's it's not by our work, it's by faith. We are only also saved again by the grace of God. God yeah. draws him to God draws us to himself because of his grace, not because we deserve it, not because of anything we've merited. So it's his grace that saves us, and it's we're saved by our confession of faith in Jesus. Yeah. Only Jesus can save us, right. right? And then another huge, huge difference, and this is where we can dive into a whole lot more, um, is only scripture. Yeah. That's a big difference between Catholicism and okay, yeah. Protestant so let's just so since we've been showing the different uh, aspects of how Catholics and Protestants view certain things, there are some many things we have in common. Like sure. we believe in the same Jesus. Absolutely. We believe He was fully God and fully man. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the authority of the Scriptures. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. We believe in His Church as the way to change the world. Yes, we. we so Catholics and Protestants have way more in common 
than they have uh, disagreements about. Um, and, and especially when it comes to bringing change in the world or some of the values that we carry, um, it's the same. And a person, a person, you might be a Catholic person, you're listening to this, and you might think, I never understood the sacrament thing that you just described. I've been going to church for years, and I didn't know it was that. And maybe you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and are practicing the sacraments of the Catholic Church, but you've had a genuine encounter by your faith in Christ with Jesus and His saving grace to, to make you, you know, go take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. You can be in the Catholic Church and have put faith in Christ and be on your way to heaven, and we just have a difference of opinion on theology on, on the theology of, it, sure. of it. But you may be completely good with God, and we're not saying we're not making a judgment on all Catholics. Sure, just like we would say, not all people who attend Allison Park Church are genuine Christians because some people haven't yet come to that decision to trust Jesus Christ with their Savior. We wouldn't say. Not everybody who goes to the Catholic Church is not a, hasn't had that experience with Christ. It's more just of the way that we describe the pathway to salvation. I hope that wasn't too confusing. No, no, and and so so just to, again, I'll just summarize. Yeah, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, no, nor does the label you wear. Yeah, yeah, going to Catholic church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to Allison Park Church or any other Protestant church doesn't make you a Christian. Especially as Protestants, we believe it's by the grace of God, yeah. believing that Jesus is the only way with that faith confession that our salvation rests on Him alone. Right. And then now we'll talk again about sola scriptura. Okay, so Catholics would also elevate the Bible to a place of authority, just like Christians would. We would believe that the Bible is the sole authority for what we believe and how we live. The Catholic Church also believes in the authority of the Pope, the Pope has the ability to speak what's called ex cathedra, which is a Latin term for with authority, that he can, when he says, I am now speaking ex cathedra, not everything that comes out of his mouth is considered authoritative. It would be, it would be, you know, of course, leadership. Authoritative meaning on the same level as scripture. Same level as So scripture. it's almost like he's now speaking brand new Bible verses whenever yes. he yeah. Right. So he can utter by ex cathedra a new doctrine a new idea, a new standing on things. So I think in the 1800s, there was a moment where they declared that Mary was born of a virgin. So that's not found in the Bible anywhere, but a pope in the 1800s said, thus now says the leader of the church, this is now a doctrine we believe. Before we go any farther, can you talk about where this comes from? Because it's all about this faith confession that Peter has that with this moment with Jesus yeah, on okay. this rock. Yeah, okay, so Acts chapter 16 is where we get the idea of the church in, in the first place. Right. Jesus has his disciples together, and he says, who do... Acts 16? Excuse me, Matthew chapter 16, right, I'm sorry. Right, okay. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is with his disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? And they say, you know, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. And then he looks and he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Holy Spirit from heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades won't, won't uh, be able to stand against it. Okay, there's two different interpretations for this particular statement that Jesus makes. The word Peter and rock are similar, but they're different words. In the Greek, the word Peter is petros, which means like a small brick or a small stone. The word petra means foundational rock. So, so Jesus, here's why we would believe it. You know, the key point of this passage was Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes this declaration. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Peter and Jesus says, ding, 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 ding. That was the right answer. This is so important. I want to frame this moment for you that while you're a small brick Petros on the rock of your confession, this Petra, this foundational stone of your confession, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So we believe that the foundation of the church is the confession of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of the church. And we are all like Petroses, like Simon Peter's built into the house upon that rock of his confession. Okay, I, I believe that it, the Catholic Church has seen this verse differently. I tell you, you are Peter, the rock, and on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. The concept here is that the church will be built on Peter's leadership, Simon Peter's leadership. He being then historically viewed as the first pope, the first leader of the church, that it was upon his leadership that everything would be built. So if you take, if you extrapolate, extrapolate this out, the only way I can belong to the church of Jesus Christ is to belong to the church that Peter's descendants lead. That would be the, the Catholic, lineage of Peter. That sure. would be the Catholic view. Right. We would say the only way that I can belong to the church of Jesus Christ is to confess Jesus and who he is, right? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that makes me a part of the church. So the larger church is that. Every confessing person, every person that confessed Jesus Christ as the Savior, as their personal Savior, is a part of the church. And you can actually see this when you go to Rome. So when you go to Rome, I've been there before, and I've been at St. Saint Paul's Cathedral, Cathedral right there in the, in the, in the center, center of the Vatican. And it is a church really devoted to the authority of Simon Peter. At the front of the building is not a cross, it's actually Peter's throne. And so it establishes the authority of Simon Peter, and then the Vatican's authority is built on that. And so, again, if you believe that Peter, is, Peter and his descendants, his legacy, are the foundation of the Church, then you'd have to belong to the Church led by the Pope in order to be a part of the Church. Yeah. But if you believe that the confession of Christ is the foundation for the Church, then anybody, anywhere, regardless of what label you carry— would be a part of the church just because you're confessed of your confession in Christ. Okay, so that's one that's one major difference. Again, going back to scripture alone, one of the huge 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 th- things that happened with the reformation was Martin Luther started challenging Christians to read the Bible for themselves. Yeah. And that hadn't really been a common practice. You would have to go and it would, it would be read in in Latin, I believe, right? Was the yeah, so even up until the early 1960s at an event called Vatican II, most Catholic churches in the United States were in Latin. So if you went to a church, you were hearing a Mass that was read in Latin. You, weren't, you may be familiar with certain phrases, but it wasn't even interpreted into your own language. And for some parts of the, you know, the, the eight Middle Ages, um, it was perceived that ordinary Christians were not qualified to read the Bible for themselves, it had to be interpreted by a church leader, by a priest. Whereas what we would say is the Bible is the Word of God, and it's alive in every believer. It's essential to the life of every believer, and every believer needs to not only read it, but learn how to study it and apply it to their life, because this is what moves you forward. Now, after Vatican II in the 1960s, the Catholic Church has greatly modified its approach on this. So you have Catholic believers that are avid students of the Scriptures, um, it isn't. It isn't like it was a hundred years ago, where uh, it was sort of discouraged to study the Bible. I think most Catholic churches would encourage their parishioners to read the Bible, but I think in a Protestant environment, especially a Pentecostal Charismatic 
Protestant environment. We believe that the Word of God has such power that every time you expose yourself to it, it has transformational impact on your life. So we want to get people into the Word of God for themselves, but then learn to study and interpret it as well. Not only that, but as a Protestant, we believe it's really the only way to know God. Right. Because if we don't have Scripture, what else are you basing who Jesus was off it, who God says he is? Now, some other differences, you talked about the Pope being able to pronounce something ex-cathedra, which is where he sort of uh, has words that are elevated on the same level as Scripture and can change major doctrines. There's also something called the Apocrypha, which are some extra additive books beyond what the the Council of Nicaea um, said was so. There's 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 a term you'll hear in you know Christian circles, canon, right? Which means uh, sort of like the official approved books of the Bible. Their letters, their Old Testament, um, you know, prophecies and and histories. And so there are sixty six. We call them canonical, meaning from canon canonical books. And then there are some extras that are in the Catholic Bible that are called the Apocrypha. Yeah, so so these were books that were in debate at the Nicene Council. Should they be included or shouldn't they? And the ones that we have recorded for us in the in the New Testament, the Protestant New Testament, would be the ones that were affirmed by that Council of Nicaea and have been affirmed even over the generations. There is a set of books that have some questions about their origin or about some of the theology in them that are called the apocryphal books that you'll you'll find included in the Catholic Bible. There's also a separate set from the Old Testament called the Pseudepigrapha, which is also extra books from the Old Testament that were in debate by the Jewish rabbis at the time, and the Church kind of put the two, the 66 canonical—how do you say that? Canonical. Canonical books together— uh, to be the Bible that we understand that we have today. So you can be pretty confident in those 66 books. They sure. have stood this test of time. We have manuscripts that are thousands of years old that that take us back to give validity to the fact that what we're reading is actually what was written at the time. So to expand on that, there they didn't, you know, they the way that things were passed down as they were written was a new scribe would have to retranscribe the yeah. whole thing. And we can find actually really, really ancient manuscripts that were written by scribes that are over 99% similar. In fact, yeah. the only real difference there are things like punctuation. Um, so it, they're, uh, from, what I, from what I understand, they're by far the most accurate historical ancient documents that we have in general. They're yeah. far more accurate as far as like what we can testify to than even like things from the time of Caesar and ancient Rome and things like that. So, yeah. and, and just remember that in the first, in the early raw church, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that this is, we want to have a reductionism. We want to take the church concepts all the way back to the early church days, to the book of Acts, and to those raw days before church became above ground and even legalized. So for the first 250 years of history, the church was being persecuted. It wasn't even legal to be a Christian. At that time, there were no church buildings. There was no Vatican. There technically was no Pope yet. You you couldn't have been. There were bishops who locally governed churches. The Bible wasn't even completely formulated yet, right. although it was being passed around from church to church. It had been church. written, but it wasn't. It had been written, yeah. but it hadn't been put into a package yet, because you couldn't have had that legalized official council until Constantine made it okay for for the church leaders to gather. So when when we think of the church, we want to think about this organic revolutionary movement that was happening that didn't have a ton of structure to it. It was just 
the community of people of faith gathering together to study the scriptures, to live out an authentic Christian life, and to follow Jesus. And, and then over time, as it became official and institutionalized, then you have the Orthodox Church as an institution and the Roman Catholic Church as an institution. And then over time, practices and doctrines accumulate so that then Luther in the 1500s says, this is all messed up. We need to go back to the original and try to recapture what it was when the New Testament was written. And I think we're still all in the process of trying to go back there. I don't think we even want to just go back to the 1500s. We want to go back to say, Luther had a lot of things right, but even he had some stuff that he was did. messed up. Yeah, we want to go back to the original part, and we want to say, let's live it and preach it and teach it according to the Scriptures. Now, let's jump to the cults, because the cults then become fairly simple to distinguish, because all of the Protestant denominations we mentioned came from an origin of this this kind of root system of those five solas that we talked about. Yeah, now we're, we're going to talk specifically about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Yeah. And I just want to say before, if, if you happen to be from one of those different faiths that we have so much respect for you, this yeah. is in no way meant to be, you know, making fun of or demeaning those beliefs. Just this is really to give some inf- uh, informative information, I yeah. guess, about how, they're, how they are different. And the reason we even use that word cult um, a Christian cult is defined as new religious movements that have Christian background, but are considered to be theologically deviant or different by members of other Christian churches. Yeah. So specifically, the two we'll talk about, you know, Mormonism. Yeah. And- so, so w- with Catholics and Protestants and even Orthodox, we would all believe in the same Jesus, the same Bible, the same basic concept of the Christian worldview. Um, there would be overlap and more in common then we have different. Although we would have some differences of opinion on the pathway to salvation or the authority of the church or all of that stuff that we just talked about. With both Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, what is vastly different is the most essential thing to to our faith, which is who Jesus is. Yes. So you can have disagreements about the Bible or which books can be included in there. That does not threaten your salvation. Um, You could have a difference about how you should take communion and that does, well, at least how we would view it, it doesn't threaten your salvation. Maybe Catholics might see a little bit different on that. But but your definition of who Jesus is, is a non-negotiable as far as we're concerned. So we believe that he was fully human, human being, and that he was also 100% God, that he is a member of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that his death, burial, and resurrection— Legitimately happened, happened, literally, and yeah. is the source of all salvation and transformation. Okay, that's a good, that's a good backdrop. Do you want to start with Mormons or Jehovah's Witness? You you pick. So, Mormons do not believe that about Jesus. They believe something. Yeah, well, different. I, I so you, you you pick, and okay, I'll do so the notes. <laughs> describe as a, for the Mormon perspective of Jesus. Dave. Okay, so these are my these are my sort of crude notes that I have to sort of explain some of the differences. Okay, so for we'll start with Mormonism. Yeah. Okay, so Mormons claim that essentially um, following apostolic times, whenever there were the original disciples, that the church went into, they call it apostasy, where the church lost its way. And it wasn't until 1830, uh, whenever they they had the restored church, okay? So here are some different things. Um, so this is this is Joseph Smith, right? I don't right. actually have that in my notes, but Joseph Smith was seen as like another prophet who discovered more parts of Scripture, and... In that, he learned certain things, like number one, they they see God the Father as, God the Father was once, once a man who, through his own works, sort of ascended to Godhood. Okay. So that's a big difference. We believe that 
before there was anything, there always was God, that he brought everything into, into being. Um, then they also believe that the Trinity does not consist of three persons and God, but rather three distinct gods, okay? Mm-hmm. They're all different people, and potentially there are actually thousands of gods beyond that. They also believe that Jesus was the firstborn spirit child of the Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, and that Jesus progressed to become a deity within the spirit world. So he's not, he is not God in the sense that there is only one God. There's God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are three in one. They believe that he is a God, but not just that he is a God, that actually you could become a God. Right. That if you do the right things, that you can progress after you die to become a deity like Jesus is. Um, which and eventually is, inherit your own planet. Eventually right. even inherit your own planet. That's legitimately there. Um they believe that there are these. Well, we won't go too much into the these three kingdoms that you talked about. Yeah. Um, so let's just say, without going into too much of the weeds here, because we could do a whole episode just on this. Yes. Well, to be a Mormon and to be a Christian, while from a morality standpoint we have a lot in common, is a completely different faith system. Mm-hmm. They use the name Jesus, but they're not really referring to the to the, the same Jesus. No, they're not. And and so. Actually, the way Muslims describe Jesus is more accurately how we would look at him than Mormons, although Muslims would see him not as the Son of God. But the Mormon perspective is an invented worldview. Okay, now that was really radical. Based upon Joseph Smith's revelations of a book that he received that then sort of disappeared and had to be recreated. Uh, And so it it is um, a bit out there in terms of... Like it doesn't relate at all to. It's the It's so much the out there that it's really a different religion. It is. It's so when you're talking different. about it, they 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 call the places of worship churches, but they're not churches in the same way that Protestant or Catholics yeah. would call their places of worship churches. Okay, let's talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. So there's a whole lot of differences here as well. This would yeah. be the Church of the Latter Day Saints. So no, they, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. That's more. That's Mormons. Yeah, this Latter-day is the Watchtower, yeah. and yeah, I'm sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> Whoops, thank you for catching me there. Okay, so Jehovah's Witnesses. So number one, they do not believe in the Trinity. Um, they also believe that Jesus Christ is St. Michael the Archangel. Okay. So he's not he's not God in that sense. Um, they think the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force and not actually God himself. Um, let's see what else I want to highlight here. Okay, they believe, they don't believe that Jesus uh, Christ was God coming in the flesh. Um, let me see. They they also don't believe that Jesus rose like bodily. So he he was, I think, essentially a spiritual being who was crucified, and then the body was annihilated um, by God, and then he was he he rose again as a spirit creature um, in a different spiritual body, but not actually rose literally. Right, if that makes sense. And they while they use the Bible, the Jehovah's Witness Bible goes into certain key passages that talk about Jesus's deity or, or, or his God, God nature, that he was hundred percent God. And they change the verses to read slightly different so that if you actually happen to have someone come to your door and knock onto your door and you talk to a Jehovah's witness and they pull out their Bible and they read from John one, the phrasing of John one has been altered to represent the views of Jesus not being both God and man at the same time. Right. And Whereas then, historic Christian denominations, Greek Orthodox, Roman Catholic, all Protestant, would always believe God, J- 
Jesus, God came in the body of Jesus, and he was 100% man, 100% God, that he historically died on the cross and rose from the grave. Both the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness would, would, be, would think differently on all of those issues. Yes. Which is why we would call them a cult, because it doesn't mean they're bad people, they're bad human beings. It just means from our perspective, it is something that is heresy, which if you believed would distance you from God. Yeah, there's there's two more things I'll just highlight from this. Okay. One, that there's only 144,000 people that can go to heaven, and all of them have gone to heaven. Everybody else will have to be somewhere else. And then the last thing is they don't really believe in a literal hell. Um they just talk about the grave. It's 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 very different. So yeah. so yeah. So that yeah, lots of stuff. <laughs> Honestly, you could do a full episode on Mormonism and a full episode on Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, um, they're super different. But sort of the bottom line, it's they're different religions in the same way that Judaism is a different religion. In the same way that Hinduism, Buddhism, yeah. you know, that the Hinduism, Islam, Islam all yeah, of them and are. So, you know, even when we talk about Catholics and Christians or Orthodoxes and, and Catholics or Protestants or whatever denomination. We want to do this from a standpoint of high levels of respect for the people and the faith systems that they represent. We're not trying to make a dig at anybody in the way that we're talking about this today. What we are trying to do is clarify so that you can say, oh, this is what I believe. And 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 so you know, okay, this is what Allison Park Church believes. And and you know, study it out, look at the scriptures and and do the homework for yourself. Um it it, it does matter what you believe. Yeah. Like you, you can't just put it onto one mushy theology and make it all seem like it's the same thing. Because they're not basically no, all the same. They're one, not one the thing same you'll at hear all. people say is that aren't, aren't all religions all basically the same? Not even close. No, they're they're, they're mutually exclusive. They are. It's like if you believe this, then you're objectively saying all of that is wrong. Yeah. And frankly, if you think that all of them are the same, that's almost its own religion. Yeah. It's well, to say you can get to God any way you want. A person that says to. don't all religions basically teach the same thing is just. Um, kind of exposing the fact that they don't know much about what religions teach. It's it's like me saying, well, aren't all the Star Wars movies basically the same? I mean, you'd be like... And they're more similar than religions <laughs> yeah, are. they are. You'd yeah. be like, how could you say that? You know, episode one is so much different. Okay, they, they all have to do with space. Aren't all superheroes the same? <laughs> yeah. Isn't every Marvel hero basically the same thing? Yeah. So, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But not it, really at all. It is religion. It's just talking about God, but it really, when you get down to the belief systems, it's extremely different and very distinct and critical for your soul to know what you believe. And so I know we've been a lot about theologically thick in the last couple of episodes, but I think we got a loyal enough list, listener base that actually what we tried to do is not just give you just what you always want to hear, but really what you need to hear. We really want to dive into stuff that probably is important to understand, because let's just face it, where else are you ever going to think about or hear this? Because church services typically don't go this in depth. This would be like Allison Park Leadership Academy. We would teach on this kind of material. But hopefully you stayed with us on this podcast long enough to get into it where you're like, well, I feel like I really learned something today. I feel like I know more about my personal belief system than I what, what I did before. Absolutely. And side plug, if you are a longer-term Christian and you do want to develop your faith, we would highly recommend the Allison Park Leadership yeah. Academy. That's that's a lot of what this podcast reflects is sort of what we dive into. So if you really want to get super serious about your faith and you know become a more mature Christian, we would love to assist you with that so yeah. you can find more info on Allison Park The first-year program in particular is a nine-month program that starts in the fall. We'd love to—if you, you can go to Allison Leadership— AllisonParkLeadershipAcademy.com. Allison Park Park, yeah to find more information. Absolutely. 
Hey, well, as always, we just want to say thank you for joining us. Please, 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 if you could maybe just take a second, even right now, like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Um, you can share this on social media. You can leave us that five-star review that I was talking about earlier, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That would greatly assist us in sharing the word about what we're doing here. So yeah, we appreciate you, and we'll see you guys next time in the next episode.